This is the Idea Time Show, Idea Time Show with Dr. Joe North, helping facilitators expand their creativity, confidence and impact through the power of innovation in action. Gain confidence as a facilitator, confidence with the technology and confidence with your content and event design. Tune in every week for practical tips, strategies and interviews that will accelerate your personal and business success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jo North. Hello, how are you doing? This show is all about horizon scanning and we really are in times of historic transition and change and transformation. I think it's, and it seems to be really ramping up. We're going through all sorts of changes with energy, technology, socially, geopolitically, and so much more. And as businesses, we need to grow and navigate through all of that change, look for the opportunities, and also find where the challenges, the risks, and the threats might be. And how to do that when there's just so much happening and so much information available on top of a very busy day job can be quite a thing to do. So I'm hoping to help you with that and give you a really good way forward. You can use this for your business planning, for your innovation, for your growth. And horizon scanning is something I say, you know, do a really good job of it once or twice a year at least, but always be looking out for what's changing and what's going on. So thank you for joining me. Let's just talk about what we're going to cover in the show. I'm going to start off by saying what horizon scanning is or what I think it is, my definition of it and why it's important. And I know sometimes people can feel a bit uncertain about predicting, forecasting the future and saying what's going to happen. And horizon scanning isn't about that at all. So I'm going to explain what are the differences between foresight, forecasts, and prediction. We don't need a crystal ball. It's not about accurately saying what's going to happen in year X. Uh, It's none of that, but it's really thinking about what are the weak signals that we are picking up and how to spot them. And again, some more tips on that coming for you very soon. We'll talk about emerging trends, how to spot them, and I'm going to give you some tips and approaches for doing all of this in a fast-moving, information-dense world. You can do this with your team. You can do it part of a strategic process. You can involve your customers and stakeholders in different elements, and you'll get a whole toolkit for doing horizon scanning. First of all, what is horizon scanning? Well, for me, horizon scanning is the systematic process of gathering information, useful data to identify potential risks, opportunities, and development. And the reason we need to do horizon scanning is for all sorts of reasons, so that we can anticipate change and be ready for it and proactive so that we can stay ahead of the curve, so that as a result of that, we can manage risks appropriately. We're not going to see everything coming, right? I think the pandemic, some of the geopolitical changes that we've had have been surprising to many, many people all around the world. So we can't foresee everything, but it's about working with the information we've got, doing the best we can with the information we have at the time. And all of that, of course, is really important for business resilience. Things like climate change and trends around energy and energy availability, energy security come into that as well, don't they? And out of all of this change, there is always opportunity. So using horizon scanning 
gives you good insight into where the opportunities might be. As I've said, you can use horizon scanning activities to engage your stakeholders and really get closer to them and understand what they're looking for and what their aspirations and challenges are too. It means you can think about the resources that you need, you can be ready for any regulatory changes to stay compliant, and of course, all of this gives you competitive advantage as well. And what I would say is that horizon scanning goes well beyond conventional planning. It's, we're talking about futures thinking here. It's about pushing boundaries, anticipating change. It's not about wanting to stay really comfortable. Um, thank you very much because we're doing very well right now. Thank you. And we like where we are right now. You know, it's not about that. It's about being open-minded and really stretching the thinking to make those choices and take from the present into the future the things that we want to achieve. As I've said, horizon scanning isn't about getting your crystal ball out and making a really accurate prediction in terms of what's going to happen in 2025, 2030, 2050, whenever. It's about thinking about where things might go. So I wanted to share with you some differences between foresight, forecasts and prediction. When we're thinking about foresight, really the purpose of that is to explore multiple future possibilities. And that's what horizon scanning does. And then we use that, that foresight to create a forecast, which is estimating a specific future outcome. Whereas, of course, prediction is, as I've said, saying what's going to happen at a particular time. So really, we're doing foresight and forecasts. We can use qualitative and quantitative methods to do that. And foresight, we're looking into the long term so that we can forecast better and more accurately for the short to medium term. And of course, the further out we go in time, the less certain our forecasts are going to be. So when it's an, a near term thing, you know, there's, there's a bit more reliability and certainty in what we're suggesting might happen in different scenarios. And it gets less so, less certain the further out in time. Foresight is great for strategy development, for innovation. And we use forecasts when we're trying to shape our actions out of that strategy development and innovation for planning and budgeting and all of those things. And of course, it's about being um, adaptable and making sure things are updated as you go, because it's going to change, isn't it? Whereas a prediction is fixed, this is going to happen at that point in time, and people work towards that. We're more in the foresight forecasting, we're being agile, flexible, responsive, all of those things. Remember, when we're horizon scanning, we're not about accurately predicting exactly what's going to happen. We're looking at possibilities and scenarios and using that to inform our business planning and so on. When we're using um, horizon scanning techniques, what we're looking for and trying to pick up, and we need to be tuned into this all the time, right? Not just at specific points, are weak signals. Weak signals that there's something in the air, something in the water, that things are changing. We're looking, listening, sensing for subtle early indications of emerging trends, changes, disruptions that have the potential to disrupt or change the course of industries, market societies, technologies and what we're doing. And often, you know, I think sometimes in business we can think, well, that's happening way over there. That's not going to affect me and my business here. And what we've seen, haven't we, is so much ripple effect with political tensions around the world, you know, feeding through into our economy and society in so many different ways. So we are a very interconnected 
world. And these weak signals can be often ambiguous and easily overlooked. So it's really interesting to, to tune in to um, you know, what's happening. And I'm not talking about fads and short-term trends and fashions and those sorts of things, unless you're in that industry, of course, you know, some sort of design or interiors or fashion or food. You know, it's those industries where you need to look out for those. There are some bigger shifts that we're talking about as well as, as another overlay, and it's important to look out for those too. So just a few tips, really, because this depends on which sector you're in. Essentially, start off by making sure you are consuming broad information. Don't just read the stuff that's relevant to your industry. At least as a minimum, think about the industries that are adjacent to yours. So if if you are in fashion, you might want to be thinking about what a retailer's doing or what new materials are out or, or how is the circular economy going to affect how society, how consumers are making their purchasing decisions. So so go really wide. And I actually recommend looking at industries that are completely different from yours because sometimes it's easier to step back and step out of what you're doing and look back in from a different perspective. There's a lot that can be transferred between industries. I work across all sorts of sectors and I see different sectors having more in common quite often than they do that are different. Continuously learn, make sure you are staying close to customers and picking up on vibes and tips and insights that they are changing and that their needs are changing. Work with your innovation ecosystem, collaborative networks, Stay close to what's going on and what's new. Use your data analytics and always, of course, stay curious, which all innovators we need to do, don't we? And in terms of data and resources, I mentioned at the start of the show that PESTLE, STEEPLE, PESTEL, STEEP, PEST, whichever acronym you use, that, that's a really good tool to use, but it goes beyond that. And I think people do a PESTLE analysis and then they think they've done, you know, they've done horizon scanning. So for those of you who haven't heard of any of these acronyms, PESTLE stands for, if I can remember them all, political, environmental, social, technological, legal, I don't know if I've said economic or environmental. So the other E is economic or environmental, there's two E's. And what you do is you use these letters, these terms as a checklist almost to go through and think about what's changing politically, what's changing economically, what's changing socially and so on. And people work through them and then they say, well, you know, how are we going to respond to these changes? But often I see organisations doing a pestle and not using any data or not being insightful, not applying it to how they're going to take their organization, how they're going to take their business forward. And it's really, really good to go not just from what's in your head and what you know and what you, well, what you assume to be true, is to get some external data sources that are relevant to your business as well. And there is loads of amazing free stuff I love the McKinsey stuff, for instance, and Deloitte, you know, free stuff, great research, great surveys they do. You can subscribe to their newsletters and so on. Deloitte have done some great work around sustainability and consumer responses to that. And McKinsey are regularly putting things out as well, as are Accenture. I love Arup, A-R-U-P. 
in terms of design, infrastructure, those sorts of trends. Some others that you might want to look at, again, all free, you can just you know enter these into your internet search browser. The International Energy Agency has got heaps of stuff around energy trends, what's emerging, what the challenges are, what different policies are around the world and what that means in terms of price, consumption, availability, usage, and those sorts of things. Gartner every year does its hype cycle for emerging technologies, showing what's on the rise, what sort of technologies are on the rise, what's maturing, what's dipped, and how long new technologies are likely to be taking to go um, on that journey, on that curve. I also look every year out for the for the Mintel consumer trends research as well. And the consumer trends are about being human, that people thinking that there's more to life than money, really focusing on relationships, the new green reality, which is about incorporating sustainability into the day-to-day and making brands accountable so that brands are actually doing something about sustainability and not just talking about it and promising stuff and positive perspectives working together with brands to change things. So these are just a handful of examples. So I know that you know data, if you were to buy data, it can be really expensive and sometimes prohibitive and not necessarily all that useful, but there is so much good stuff out there. And of course, your industry events and all of those things, you know, your industry bodies will be creating data all the time. And, and I think, you know, stay on top of it and and make sure you read you know, at least something new every week, even if it's just a 10, 15 minute glance through something just to stay informed. Now we're going into the Horizon Scanning Toolkit. We're going to cover seven questions, the Delphi Technique, the Futures Wheel, Text Mining, Cross Impact Analysis, Scenario Planning, the Importance Versus Certainty Grid, and Transformation Mapping. Let's get started. So the first technique I'm suggesting you might want to use is seven questions. And this was really initiated by Shell as part of their scenario planning approach. So scenario planning is just when you you think about different possibilities of things that may happen in the future and you work through those and you think, well, if that were to happen, what would we do about it? So the seven questions technique is you ask, you interview, you could use questionnaires or surveys, or you could do this in groups, in sort of focus groups, many different methodologies you could use. And you can substitute any of the seven questions for a question that better suits your particular situation. But the seven questions are, you would ask these people um, if you could speak to someone from the future who could tell you anything about whatever your business area is, what would you like to ask? What is your vision for success? What are the dangers of not achieving your vision? What needs to change in terms of systems, relationships, decision-making processes, culture, for example, if your vision is to be realized. Looking back, what are the successes we can build on, the failures we can learn from? Number six is what needs to be done now to ensure that your vision becomes a reality. And number seven, if you had absolute authority and can do anything, is there anything else you would do? So what you're getting here is a sense of where people see the future, what their hopes for the future are, what they're worried about, what they're concerned about. And it's a really good, creative and very engaging way, I think, of actually doing this type of horizon scanning. I do recommend that you capture all the outputs from the things that people say. And, you know, you capture that from an individual or small group perspective, and then you put it together, you assimilate it and put that into your big bucket 
of horizon scanning stuff. Okay, the next one is the Delphi technique. Um, this is where you get experts or people that are really concerned with close stakeholders to the subject or people who know different aspects of your environment. And you, you tap into their collective wisdom experience and what they're picking up. And the process is, is that you decide what your discussion topic is going to be. You invite your different participants to participate in the Delphi technique. And then you do a, you can do some sort of questionnaire. I actually like to get groups in cards and get them to answer questions, just randomly pick a card out and answer the question and, and work together and capture things. And then you sort of you're gathering all this intelligence from all these different people. You can do it asynchronously, if that's the right word. So people working at different times in different places. That's okay too. You don't have to have everybody doing this all at once. Of course, you can do it online, you can do one-to-ones, or you can do it through, you know, just an online survey and people do that. So, you know, be really thoughtful about who you invite to input into your Delphi technique, because if you get the right people, and if you get a really good mix of people, you can get some cracking insight that can really inform your strategy brilliantly. Okay, another one for you to look at is the futures wheel. And now you're starting to think about what's going to change or what's changing currently and what are the impacts of that going to be? And then going still further and saying what are the indirect results or impacts of that? So essentially you have, I would have a number of futures wheels and in the centre you have different topics. So you might have something around energy, sustainability, you might have something about tech, digital, AI, whatever it is. So different things in the centre of each futures wheel. And then ask your team or your stakeholders, the people you're working with, to say, okay, so if this were to happen, this is a trend that's happening, what are the different direct results of that going to be? What do we think is likely that might happen as a result of that? And you get them to put those around in another circle outside the centre. And then ask them to think about, well, what are the indirect results of all of those direct results and get them to put an outer circle again around the edge. So you've got your middle, you've got your next circle out, which is direct results, and then you've got the indirect results on the outside. And you're really starting to think about what are the interconnections, what are the other impacts, because it's okay doing a pestle or something like that and going, okay, so we think AI is going to grow and you know what are the direct results of that? And there are some opportunities and there are some threats in there, aren't there? And then what are the indirect results going to be? And it just pushes your thinking still further and makes it more useful. So that's the futures wheel. And again, have a number of different wheels for different topics and build them out. And you might want to go out again. You know, you can keep going out and out and out and opening up your thinking, depending on how far you want to go. The next tool in the toolkit is text mining and all that is really is looking for what's out there and, and doing searches. So something just as simple as a chat GPT AI search. So I'm a paying subscriber to chat GPT. Some caveats, please don't believe everything it says. Secondly, it will struggle to give you sources, but it can give you good places for info to go and find out more. But at the moment, at least, it's saying, sorry, can't cite any sources or give specific references just general themes. 
What I love about it, though, is it gives you a place to start and it gives you some ideas and some questions to go away and dig deeper into. A couple of things I've asked ChatGPT to do is firstly to give an executive summary with, and I've asked it specifically for some references up front. If you ask for references up front, you're more likely to get them than if you ask for them at the end of your prompting process. And just said, can you give me an executive summary of energy trends between now and I think it was 2030? And it came back with a pretty good high-level executive summary. I also asked it to create a horizon scanning table for different energy types and looking at different aspects of those energy types and how they were likely to evolve between now and 2030. So things like market demand, technology, policy, regulation, risks, investment. And it came up with a pretty good table and it did geothermal, all the different energy types. As I've said, Please don't rely on the information as being correct. You do need to check things out, but it's a pretty good sort of place to start and think, you know, I've got this big topic to navigate. Where might I start? So that's what text mining is. And it takes literally, you know, just minutes to do. Moving on now to the next tool in the toolkit, we're getting you know, towards the second half of, of the uh, different tools is cross impact analysis. When we only do something like a pestle, we tend to look at things like digital and AI over here and energy over there, you know, and things are in their categories, social media usage, whatever the things might, aging population, all of those things. What cross impact analysis does is it starts to say, well, what if you put that trend with that trend? What happens with when you get the two together? For instance, an aging population, but an increase in social media, what happens when you put those two things together. So what you do with a cross impact matrix is get all your, you know the key variables that you've found so far across the top and also down the side. You might have different variables and then you start to put them together. So you've got them across the top and down the side and it's like just I don't know, playing battleships or reading a map, isn't it, using coordinates. So, okay, so what, if that went with that, what's the likely outcome of that? And again, I think it really advances your thinking. It makes it so much more useful. And you can classify these into the type of impact you think it will be. So a strong, positive, positive, neutral, negative, or a strong negative, and highlight that as you go. And of course, scenario planning. Again, this is a you know often associated with Shell. This is a fictitious example I'm going to have a look at here which is from you know, automotive and, and financial you know, economic downturn. With scenario planning, you think about what, if there's an economic downturn, what might the impact be? In my example, the impact on public enterprise, private spending and the industry as a whole. And what would be an optimistic, a realistic and a pessimistic scenario for each of your key areas that you've identified? And then you say, what's likely to happen? And then you start to think, okay, so what would we do about that? Again, it's a really good way of mitigating risk, of also identifying opportunities and, and thinking through possibilities, you know, for your strategy and for your innovation. When you've got different scenarios, a really nice thing to do with them is to get some sticky notes, either virtual or real, and use the importance versus certainty grid or matrix. On one axis, everything can, in life can be plotted out into a two by two in some shape or form. So on one axis, we've got importance from low to high. That's the vertical. On the horizontal axis, certainty from low to high. So you'll have things that are low importance and low certainty. 
worry about those less, keep an eye on everything, right? But worry about those less. And things that are high importance, low certainty, you definitely want to keep an eye on in case that changes because they're important to you. But where you need to place more importance are the things, of course, with high certainty and high importance. You know they're going to happen and they're really important to you. And the things that are of high certainty, low importance, well, just make sure you know you manage those appropriately. And of course, keep your eye on all the key things because they might change as time goes on. Into the final one, the final piece, you've done all of this stuff. You've looked at things in different ways. You've put all this amazing insight into your horizon scanning bucket. Now it's time to sort of get all the bits out and map them and, and have a think about how are things likely to play out. Again, we're talking about foresight and forecasting. We're not talking about prediction. And I love the transformation map as a great framework for doing this. So you have your future state in the top right-hand corner and around the edges, all the different, you could have products, you could have geographies, you could have different aspects of the business, you could have social, technological, economic, environmental, all of those things around the edge. And essentially what you're doing is you're starting right at the edges with now, where things are at today and saying what life is like, the current state for each of those. And then you might go, okay, so in a year's time or in three years' time or in five years' time, where might we be? And you're getting closer to that top right-hand corner. Where might we be you know, in 10 years' time, in 15 years' time, and so on? And of course, as we've said, the further out you get in time, the less accurate and detailed your thinking will be but it's sort of showing you a general direction of travel and it really helps you with just get a, a really good picture out there of that external environment. So then you can look at your organizational strengths, weaknesses internally. You've identified the opportunities and threats and you can start to make some plans around what are you going to do in this environment? What's your organizational contribution going to be that aligns with your mission, vision, values your purpose, what money do you need? What resources do you need? You know, what do you really need to watch out for and what's exciting and how can you communicate that vision to your people? So that's it from me. I hope that's been useful. You know where I am if I can help you with anything at all. If you want to have a look at some free stuff that you can download on the bigbangpartnership.co.uk website, go there and do forward slash resources. Thank you so much and I'll be back very soon. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to the Idea Time Show, brought to you by Dr. Joe North. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and access more completely free resources at bigbangpartnership.co.uk forward slash resources. We'll see you next time.